Welcome, everybody, to Mormons on Mushrooms. Uh, just a reminder that this is a storytelling podcast where we discuss alternative methods for healing from trauma and seeking a more fulfilling life. A lot of times on the podcast, we discuss triggering topics, and we ask that you make your personal mental health top priority. Uh, lastly, the opinions offered by our guests don't necessarily reflect the opinions of the hosts. Sit back, buckle up, and enjoy. I just hit record, man. Well, I, <laughs> well, I just think like, okay, so we're here live, coming to you live. Well, not really live. I guess this episode's not live, but you and I are live from San Diego, live from San Diego, uh, a Wells vagina. <laughs> Feels good to be here in person with you. It really does, huh? And it's San Diego. It's like, uh, it's kind of almost an impromptu thing. We, we, I was bringing my family down here. And the plan was we were going to stay a night with you in L.A. Mm-hmm. And then we were like, well, just come down to San Diego with us. And we all ended up here. And it's awesome. It's awesome. Got this beautiful beach house. Man. Next. Next. Uh, it's just a beautiful moment. And I was like, let's let's record while we're here. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Right. We got beach vibes going, folks. Like, why not record? Just wanted to channel the beach to all of you. And that's it. That's the episode. So yeah. Hey, here's some beach vibes <laughs> coming out to all of you. And uh, thanks for listening and enjoy your day. Just kidding. We're actually going to talk about some stuff. <laughs> what are we going to talk about? <laughs> I mean, we, we've been talking. It's funny because here's the, here's the interesting thing. Yeah. Normally you and I talk through text or once a day we'll talk on the phone, but this, this last few days, we've just been able to talk to each other till our heart's content. Right. Yeah. And so it's like, we've been recording a podcast episode for the last three days straight. Cause okay. you and I, I mean, our, even our wives are just like, all you two are cute. All you do is just there and chat about your little like Mormonism. And you talk about your psychedelics and you talk about your thing. They're like, you're always an episode. <laughs> you're always an episode of Mormons and Mushrooms. I'm like, yeah, this is how we do it. We must be pretty exhausting to hang out with. Isn't it? I think we're pretty amazing to hang out with. I mean, <laughs> so but we've talked about a lot in the last few days. We talked about that Joseph Smith picture. Oh, you pulled, oh my you gosh. got it. I haven't pulled it up. We got to take a look at the Joseph Smith picture. For those of you who don't know, there's like a controversy going on right now where someone claims to have uh, discovered a authentic picture of Joseph Smith. And many members of the church are calling it fake news or calling it like illegitimate, you know? Yeah. And I think I know why. I'll expound on that. Because the picture does not do Joseph Smith justice. It's not a great, like not. we want, our, I think we want our gods mm-hmm. and demigods and prophets. Like this is someone who talked to God. This is someone who like actually saw the heavens and, and, and restored the priesthood. And we want our, we want those bridges between the, the sacred and the, uh, tere- the telestial. We want them to be beautiful, right? Yeah. 
you know, so we want like the, the we want the blonde haired Superman, Joseph Smith, with one hand to the temple and one hand holding a book of Mormon where he's quoting it by, you know, from from memory. Bright blue eyes, bright blue eyes, beautiful, thick, blonde hair in a perfect, perfectly combed and beautiful. You can just see the spirit radiating off of him, just like oozing forth out of him. Yeah, exactly. There's something about that because it's there, these carriers of our projections you know, especially like our God projections or prophet projections. I mean, think about it even like when we look at like the images of Christ. Yeah. Nowadays, I feel like they're getting more and more even like sensationalized. Oh yeah, dude. Christ is, first of all, my, my fitness goal is to have a body like Christ, you know, the, the, the real ripped Jesus that hangs from the cross, like bare naked. Yeah. Like I want that body. He's got those, he's got those sweet, like, Come gutter yeah. muscles along his, you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, you kind of do have that body. You got a Jesus hanging well, on the cross of the body. <laughs> I got too much. I listen, I didn't, I haven't, I've, I don't listen. I've turned a little too much water into wine to have that body. Like <laughs> Jesus only did it on special occasions. So you I got he only did it on special occasions. I mean, if that you had a gift to turn water into wine, you're going to be doing Everyone's that drinking for free. We'll just have water, please. <laughs> no, but I know what you mean though, because there's this thing of like, you look at this picture of Joseph Smith. And could you imagine him coming up to you and saying, Hey, I want to marry your 14 year old daughter. First of all, yes, I can. <laughs> and I like, that. Now I can imagine it. Like he looks like a guy who hangs out at like high school girls, tennis matches. You know what I mean? Like he looks like the guy who you're like, Hey, who's, who's his daughter. And everybody's like, Oh no. And he just really likes watching girls play tennis. That's what he looks like. He looks like, like a, an uncle that like, kind of broods in the corner and just spouts off crazy shit, which is kind of what he did, I guess. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, you just described Joseph Smith. <laughs> like to, to call him a carny. First of all, he looks just like a carny. Like he looks he like someone who would like guess your weight for a dollar. And if you, and, and you win a prize if he's with, if he's not within five pounds of guessing your weight, and then he'll sell you his snake oil, which is what Joseph Smith did. He, did. he was a con man. He started a religion and he used that religion to, like fuck a lot of teenagers, right? Yeah. That is a guy who looks like he would do that. So it, it fits. It I, I think this is the perfect Joseph Smith pair. I hope it's real because it looks like that guy who would be coming to you and be like, well, Mike, I've talked to the Lord again. And uh, I want the Lord. Uh, I don't want to do this, but I want you to know that the Lord has commanded your 16 year old daughter to be my 17th bride. And then you're just like, well, shit. <laughs> What do I do? How can I choose? <laughs> he's 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 makes a point. I didn't talk to God, so he must have. Well, it's this thing of, you know, I wonder how many Mormons today would actually really be Mormon if they could go back and really sit at a table with Joseph Smith. Let's just say this version of Joseph, this picture yeah. here, sitting at a table with him instead of this mythic projection that they've carried throughout their whole life of who they imagine Joseph Smith to be. Oh yeah. I think it would fuck with people. I think it would. Right. The same thing with, with any like heroic character. I mean, even if, even people who we know what they look like, like a Martin Luther King or someone who we really project this like grand grandiosity onto. I don't know. Martin Luther King would be pretty rad to talk to, I think regardless. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I mean, I, <laughs> because we, there's never been deception. We know what Martin yeah. Luther King looks like. You know what I mean? I guess it's a good point. I'm thinking like, you know, George Washington is a good example yeah. because, you know, we've got the 
in fact, this, this reminds me a lot of like the, the reality versus the myth surrounding George Washington. Like George Washington was basically a former pirate. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, like good guy, great president, like took on the, the, the mantle of us president almost unwillingly, which is what you want from a president. But George Washington was not the, uh, the debonair elder statesman that he's made out to be in all of our paintings of George Washington. You know what I mean? He was a little bit of a rough writer. Like he really, he went hard. And this is that, I mean, that's what I'm looking at when I look at the Joseph Smith picture, it's like, I think Joseph Smith probably had a little bit of a whistle when he talked, you know, like he's trying to talk a little like this a little bit. A little, hey, you got to give me your wives and daughters, please. And the Lord, hell, saith the Lord, he's going to come around. That's what this dude looks like. This looks like a guy I'd be like, you guys are falling for this shit. I can't. I, I fell of, for this shit. I guess something about like a beaver on like uh, Winnie the Pooh. Isn't there like a, no, isn't there someone who talks with like a whistle? Oh, yeah. He talks like, uh, it's like in all the, like the, the Disney movies of like, when they had that same group of people doing the, the voices for like yeah. Robin Hood and the, the Jungle Book and all that uh, kind of stuff. The beaver on Lady and the Tramp. Yeah, the beaver on Lady and the Tramp. That's a little Joseph Smith beaver. I got a little whistle here. Sorry, kettle fellas. Listen, but me and Signy been talking to the Lord lately, and by golly, we say we saw that there's the streets are paved with gold. (laughs) (laughs) I'm hearing that, and I'm in 1840. I'm like, hell yeah, motherfucker, let's do this. Yeah. Well, but that's like back then. I mean, that's the thing. The church is so different than it was then. Oh, yeah. And so you have all these Mormons who are like following this mythic projection that they've conjured up in their minds because that's what they need nowadays. But like back then it was like, oh, the, your neighbor said they talked to God and found a golden Bible. You're like, you know, the burden of proof isn't quite as big. You're no, saying, no, I mean, yeah. if you believe like we're, we're talking 20 years past burning witches. Yeah. So if someone comes along to you and says, hey, uh, my neighbor talked to God and, and, and like Psalm face to face and has been visited by angels. And he's, he's rewriting scripture and he found gold plates and he's gonna, he's, he's teaching this prosperity gospel. I mean, if I'm a, if I'm a farmer in 1833, I'm like a story like that's gotta be true gotta be true right and you're telling me there's a place called zion that i can go oh yes we can be like the ancient israelites we're we're this is our exodus and then you go to these testimony meetings people are speaking in tongues oh yeah they're doing all sorts of crazy shit yeah they're casting out devils and demons the cool shit yeah they don't do cool shit anymore there but but now the, the, the image of joseph smith has had to morph and change over time to like this like you're talking about these paintings yeah. compared to like this, like probably actual image of him. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, they've done like, I've seen some things lately, like maybe it was on Reddit or something, but they've done like comparisons against the death mask. Yeah. Um, pretty accurate. Pretty close. You're right. Pretty close. Pretty accurate. The, the, the funny thing to me is, okay, see, here's all these pictures of Joseph Smith. Like he's just a strapping, handsome, beautiful man. Right. Mm-hmm. The funny thing to me is when, when, when people are, you know, teaching a lesson, they'll put up like a, they'll put up like a little painting of Joseph Smith. So that there's that visual reminder of just how fucking handsome he was, you know, oh, yeah, just how, just how much he looks like a man of God. Yeah. But then when you see this picture, it's like, 
Oh, he doesn't look like a man of God. He looks like an angry, like, like he, he like driving for Wells Fargo, tr- driving a carriage and like shooting like natives. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what he looks like. I wonder like how many roughneck. I wonder how many lessons are going to have that picture. If someone's just me holding up that picture, talking about or singing praise to the man with that picture. Oh, gross! Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, praise to the man, and that's why maybe people are like, "Well, I never considered Joseph Smith a god. Why are Mike and Doug talking about like this is what we want our gods to look like?" Yes, I did. Yes, I did consider him next to God because you had the whole quote about like no man has done more for the salvation of humanity save Jesus than Joseph Smith. So if you're putting him like second in like second place to Jesus Christ, that's ahead of mm-hmm. Abraham, Moses, Adam, Elijah. Like Elijah is the dude who's like calling down fire from heaven yeah. to burn like the priests of Baal and all that kind of stuff. So you're goddamn right. I consider Joseph Smith a a a, a, a god. We sing praise to the man. Like why yeah. why, not, why else do you sing a song about somebody? You know what I mean? Well, and if Jesus, in your mind too, if you built him up to look like this mythic figure as oh, well, yeah. and not like this like uh, hairy. Oh yeah, we like, don't want Jesus to be a short, hairy brown guy. We yeah. don't want him to be that. Right? It's like no, no, no. He's got to look like. Uh, just sort of like make a couple of changes to the Zeus statue. <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah. Zeus with like maybe some kinder eyes and yeah, yeah a little more flowy hair, I guess. He's so got that. Not as curly. Thick, full, wavy yeah. hair. He's that got a mane going on. Dude, Jesus looks like a lion. No wonder. Jesus mane. That's a Jesus mane. <laughs> but what is it about? Maybe, now let's get into this. Do it. Because I'm thinking about these or like mythic projections, right? And how it's like, you know what? Is anyone going to live up to that projection? But sometimes it happens when they do. Were you talking about, was it you I was talking about recently who you went to see, you were at a festival and like, was it Pink performing? Oh, or? yeah. Yes, Pink. Dude, I have, I have a limited like relationship with Pink's music. Yeah. Meaning... I, you fall asleep to it most nights. I'm a, so you know, <laughs> meaning I'm familiar that I, I you know, I've, I'm not so head in the dirt that I don't know Pink and I don't know her music. But then I saw Pink live. And I mean, first of all, Pink is like this acrobat and there's wires. She's doing backflip scenarios and flying. She's flying. She looks like Tinkerbell. She's flying yeah. around the stage and she's really good at it and singing. And her voice is amazing in person and her tricks are amazing in person. And she takes everyone to a higher plane when she's on that stage. Like, she's like, Hey, everybody come with me. We're going to leave our bodies and go to a more like ethereal plane together. And you're going to feel like you're high. You're going to feel something. And I was like, Oh my God, she's like, I didn't realize how much I love pink. Like I love the artist pink. The opposite is true about this Joseph Smith picture. <laughs> right. We're all, it's all built up. And I'm like, listening to every Joseph Smith song ever written. And I know all the like, I know all the, the stories behind it and all the like minor details about Joseph Smith. And then I see him live and I'm like, dude, he's flat. He yeah. looks like a snake oil salesman. Uh, I, I feel like he's probably scheming to steal money from me somehow. I mean, he didn't take me to a higher plane. That's what he was doing his whole life, though. Um, yes, I'm guessing what, like, I don't know. Maybe I might have gone the wrong way on that. I don't know. They, what do you mean? The way well, I interrupted like, you when you were telling the pink story. You had a point, I think. 
Well, my point is, and this is what I'm trying to like spin around a little bit, is that even like Pink, she's there. She's she's channeling something. Yes. And she's lifting the crowd in those concerts too. And she's carefully crafted how she is going to transport the audience to a higher plane. Right. Almost. And I guess I'm, I don't know what point I'm trying to make other than I think the the church has crafted that same illusion in a way or whatever it is conjured up. It's like a conjuring of an energy and the church has conjured up this energy around this mythic portrait of Joseph. Yes. Yep. Not like an actual like figure, you know, like, so it's like, like many things in the church, the uh, illusion surrounding the image. I think that's what, what's happened. Like as people find the internet and stuff like, Oh wait, no, the image is different than exactly. Yeah. Well, I think the church's response. So, you know, the church has been very careful to neither, neither confirm nor deny this photo. Like they, they're like, we're going through the process to find out and which you should do. The church is doing what they should do, which is like, we don't know. We, we don't know what this is. Right. However, that's only a, you should do that if you don't have an actual prophet who talks to God. Mm-hmm. But the church learned in the 80s because of the Mark Hoffman stuff that they can't just come out and be like, we got new revelations. And we yeah. found these all these writings of Joseph Smith. And it's a fun thing because then they get burned, which, by the way, people know that story and still believe in the fucking church. <laughs> they, yeah. All that stuff. Right. You, yeah. you watch it like. Uh, Gordon B. Hinckley trying to buy up the salamander oh, letter and, and bury it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So the church is not doing that now because they've learned their lesson. They're a little bit more savvy, right? PR wise. Yeah. And so now they're just saying we can neither confirm nor deny. We're putting it through the processes. We're trying to authenticate it, blah, 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 which I think is the right thing to do before you say yes or no to what it is. Yeah. But also, don't you have a cheat code where you can just say, hey, uh, hey, Russ, is this a picture of Joseph Smith? Like we've had apostles in the past who have said about the Dill Parson Jesus painting. I saw Jesus and this one's dead on. Holy cow. Holy smoke. Just like this. Just Looks like this just like this Dill Parson painting. <laughs> like we've had people say that yeah. in the past. Uh-huh. But wasn't there, isn't there some story where like some apostles, like when, as he was doing the painting, he goes by and does a double take and is like, Oh yeah, this is the guy. Yeah. Oh yeah. That visited and me last night. <laughs> said you have to just change the eyes slightly so that it's not dead on. Remember that whole story about like, oh yeah, change the eyes so that it's not a complete like portrait uh, of the savior. <laughs> so we had apostles that were willing to say that kind of shit back in the day. Yeah. Not one apostle will say anything about this Joseph Smith picture because you'd think that if they'd seen like. You know, Joseph was seeing Nephi, Moroni, oh, yeah. and, and Michael the Archangel. He was having all these good times. Oh, Russell Nelson. Russ Nelson should go and be like, what does Joseph Smith look like? Yeah. And then God could be like, oh, he's over here. He's right over here. Hey, Joe, Joseph, come here for a second. Hey, look, I, I, have I not introduced the two of you? Yeah. Hey, Russell, let me get <laughs> let me give you a look at uh let me get you let me get you looking at Joseph for a second. And Joseph's like, Hey, Russ, you're doing a great job. And I just want to let you know 2022 is hard. Yeah. I didn't have to deal with all the stuff that you have to deal with. You got a real uh, you know, you get to deal with nuanced members and nobody believes in a cult or witches anymore, which I think is really hard because our whole thing's about a cult and witches. And Russell Nelson's like, well, by golly, thanks, Joseph. I I appreciate that. Joseph Smith, like, yeah, I, I didn't even think about having to try to like, like come up with revelations about what to do about LGBT, LGBTQ, 
You, I got through them all right. <laughs> I, I didn't know what to think about any of that stuff. So Russ, you're doing a fantastic job. Well, and then back in Joseph Smith's days, he couldn't, he couldn't make church long enough, probably. Oh and yeah, man. Like, oh wait, three hours. Yeah. Like, especially if they were doing them mushrooms, like if they were doing mushrooms yeah. at church and they were going to a higher plane and they're like, well, Joseph Smith's the guy. Yeah. <laughs> like Joseph Smith must be telling Russell Nelson, like, bud, you got to get something that's a little bit mind altering. Like, I know you guys are really big on the whole word of wisdom thing. Yeah. Just to clarify, the word of wisdom was just because I was trying to get Emma off my case. <laughs> and Russell's like, Russ Nelson's like, geez, I thought so. Like, I've, I'd love to enjoy a glass of wine once in a while. And I don't know what to say about all this marijuana research that's coming out. And Joseph's like, research. don't worry about it. We did all that shit back in my day. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they two of them find, should finally meet and chat with each other. Wouldn't that make the, wouldn't that make a lot of sense? I think, it would. I think it would make a lot of sense for a couple of these prophets, living or dead, to get together a little round table and be like, guys, let's let's sort our shit out. Let's straighten some of these things up. And then also byproduct of that, Russ Nelson could come back and be like, hey, good, good news, guys. That is exactly a picture of Joseph Smith. Yeah, right. Or, or, or nah, it's false. And then later on, when the research comes out that it's either true or false, we'll be like, oh, he knows. Russell, Russell Nelson knows. He's like, he's connected through the veil. He's like talking to God and his angels. Instead, it's just like, ah, tell the PR department we don't know what to do anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but you've seen, I don't know, it's, it's like a peek behind the curtain. There's something about, I don't know why I keep going back to this, but I'm just trying to think of like what is needed to maintain. Like there's something about the power of projection. We've talked about this, mm-hmm. that, you know, whether you're at a church meeting or you're listening to a speaker or you're at a concert the crowd is projecting a, an image onto the performer or the speaker or whatever. And that image, it's like channeling this energy that is also what is transformative. Yes. Yes. And so it's that power that religions are trying to capture and bottle and like recreate week after week. Yeah. But in order to do that, it's like this, Cause you've seen it. I mean, the projections you see at church, whether for good or bad are, can be transformative. Totally. You know, they can be positive transform transformative or, or the, the opposite where they actually transform people into, I don't know, or like maybe not as open hearted or loving as they would be without it, but they're changing people's minds. You go in that space and, and I've been to concerts where I walked away transformed. And we were even talking about this week about the Xavier Red concert. I went Absolutely. To. It was he, life-changing for you. Life-changing. He was up there singing and it, that projection was there. I mean, I looked at him like a God image or something, just like someone transporting me to a different realm. And I was transported that night. And that's when I, I walked away that night being like, oh, I need to play the guitar. Yeah. You made life-changing decisions. About yeah. That. I'm like, oh, I, but I don't know how my, to make my own music. You said, yeah, people need to hear my voice. Yeah. And that led into the podcast. It led into writing music. It led into what's well, going to, yeah, coming up with Mormon road shows, the Mormon Palooza thing, all the stuff. But it's because from Xavier Rudd taking you to a new, a new place. Yeah. And so in other words, like I'm, I'm toying with this idea of like, we projections aren't a bad thing. They are like a powerful thing. A, we talked about the transference um, in several episodes within, in that therapeutic set, setting where you're uh, pr- basically projecting onto your therapist and there's this transference, counter-transference thing going on. But it's that projection that creates the dynamics for change. Oh, and so when you're in a crowd of people, like you go to like 
the Rose Bowl or like a Hollywood yes. Bowl or like a big venue, like Red Rock or, you know, yeah, Red Rock's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And like the whole crowd is projecting collectively through this performer. It's like, and they walk away with this experience of like transcendence. But if you block that, you're like, hey, wait, no, Xavier Rudd's up there. He's just a man playing the guitar. He's just a man. You can kill that projection. Yeah. And so now I'm thinking about this Joseph Smith picture. Yeah. But like, I think the church is fighting with this thing because it's built, it's, you know, it's the whole thing of like, you build upon the sand. The wise man build his house yeah. on the sand. Yep. And the more of this that comes out, it's like, well, we need a new narrative. We need a new myth, a new projection because this is built on faulty images. This is built on an image of like some God, like Joseph Smith, whatever. But like, if you look at the real stuff. It's all starting to waver. Is this making any sense? It's making total sense. And you're, and I'm having like a, I'm having like a mini thought here. Like as you're talking, I'm some things are forming. And so these might, what I'm about to say might be total bullshit, but I'm, I'm going to say it anyway. Yeah, right? Go for it. Yeah. So you're talking about the Xavier Rudd thing. Yeah. If you compare that to what Joseph Smith was doing, regardless of what he looked like, I, I think that he was making people feel a way around him. Like he was taking mm-hmm. people to that. Yeah. And a big part of that is, you know, when you're at a concert, kind of like you're talking about, and you're surrounded by all the people, you know, shamanic drumming is a thing. Mm-hmm. Like you can take people into a trance state. You can take people into a higher plane. And so if you've got these people all around you and there's a guy on stage, there's a person on stage and we're all kind of bopping up and down or dancing or, mm-hmm. or just jumping up and down like rhythmically to that same beat. It's almost like we're leaning into, we're collectively leaning in mm-hmm. to that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. And to, to me, in, in modern Mormonism, there's a real hesitance for the, the everyday member who I love to really lead, to be, to be free to lean in to that, that side of themselves, that, that divine and spiritual side of themselves. So they have to maintain that whole business side of the church. Like they, yeah. they have to, they have uh-huh. to hold that up. And so it's like that appearance and yeah. being reserved and being, uh, you know, reverent and all that kind of stuff. Uh, doesn't allow for letting go and leaning in because you let go at that Xavier Rudd concert and you're probably jumping with everybody and you're probably feeling that same energy and vibration that everybody's feeling. And in that state, you're like, man, I want to create music. I want to have a voice. I want to do this. And thank you, Xavier Rudd. And I don't think, I don't think Xavier Rudd is now a prophet and I don't need to go follow him and listen to every word he says, but he has changed me. That's, that's, I'm I'm speaking for you. Right. And so now, you know, you, you go to a sacrament meeting and instead it's like, it's, it's like being at your office and someone has their radio playing softly and Xavier Rudd comes on and you are like the only guy in like your shirt and tie in the office. You start like bopping outside of some cubicles, like you start (laughs) like, you know, jamming out and dancing. Everyone else sits there being like what the hell are you doing, man? We're trying to like, <laughs> we're trying to take calls from customers right now or, or whatever it might be. Right. Just pop it. Just, to know, me, that's Mormon sacrament meeting or Mormon conference right now where it's like, everyone's trying so hard to be the most serious, like the most reverent, the most mm-hmm. righteous and sacred that they're, they're, they're losing their opportunity for that best part, which is, really feeling in contact with the divine and feeling like, Oh, I want to dance. Oh, I want to raise my arms to this gospel choir. I want to 
move my body and stomp and and shake and shout and praise hallelujah and shout mm-hmm. like that's yes. what people are lo- losing it's the letting go aspect of like it's lean know, in and let, let go lean in like oh i love that lean in let go lean in let go right and i know we keep talking about the solstice i know i talk about the drum circle but that's what i felt in that drum circle oh, over there absolutely. we had a hundred people in that space leaning in and it was like a tentative lean in it was like an awkward Awkward lean in and then uh, pull back, lean in, pull back. And then it's like everyone started collectively just like breathing and heaving and going. And then we say, and that drum going and then the dancing and then the beat, right? And just like, and then pretty soon everyone in that space was just leaning in. And you could feel it like emanating from all of us. You could like feel this pulsating from everyone's face and body, just like, like that rhythm that we were all doing. And Tim, Tim did a great job oh, Tim. when he said that thing, every, everyone that was involved. And well, Tim, Tim and Matt, I will like, well, everyone. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, that's a great point. First, yeah. I should just praise Matt for organizing the whole thing and, and, and doing it. Cause Matt was just insanely good. And, and, it, and it just kind of brought us all to a place. Yeah. But I, I also want to just compliment Tim for what he said of like, no, let's start slow. Don't get going too fast. Just let the rhythm of that beat start to build and it'll build inside of all of us. And I'm not saying we walked away saying Matt and Tim are the prophets. No, we thank them for creating such a space and holding that for us. And we're all shining and glowing and sweating and having this like spiritual orgasm together. Yeah. But it's because we, it's because we all were able to lean into that and get rid of the insecurities and strip away the self-consciousness and strip away all that weird stuff and just, stomp or beat the drum or shake the shaker or the tambourine, whatever was available, people were able to get to that orgasmic yeah. plane, uh-huh. you know? Yeah. And it's like, I like how you brought up, like, you know, they were channels and vessels in that moment, just like Xavier Rudd was when I went to see him, just like pink was when you went to see her. Um, so like a channel of this otherworldly energy. If afterwards I was went up to Xavier Rudd and like, you know, sat across the table from him. It'd probably be a pleasant conversation, but he's, there's probably an element of him. was like, no, I've, I've done, I've channeled I did it. that thing. Yeah. I channeled it. Now I just want to be Xavier Rudd for a yeah. moment. I want to go back and just be me. Yeah. I don't want to project. I don't want you to project on me. I mean, it's why you, you have the like stars go and afterwards, like, no, I'm just going to sign a few autographs and go because it's like, I smoke and mirrors. We created the illusion. We got to the spot we needed to be, but I'm just a fucking human. <laughs> Yeah, and I need to go, now go be human. Pink and Xavier Rudd, they also have warts and uh, like say the wrong thing from time to time and aren't always like real uh, poignant with a, you know, you're sitting at the dinner table and Xavier Rudd's not everything that comes out of his mouth is not going to be the most beautiful thing you've ever heard. It's just going to be like, oh, Xavier, did you fart? I mean, <laughs> everyone's going to, so they're, 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 they're removing themselves from that to be like, to clarify we went to a sacred place together because we all went to that plane. But now I'm just back to being Xavier. <laughs> like I just, now I got to eat my vegetables, you know? Eventually we have to shit out. <laughs> In a minute, I'm going to go take a shit. I got to take a shower because I've been sweating a bunch. And I love that. Is this the first time ever Xavier Rudd and Pink have been mentioned in the same sentence? I, <laughs> I hope so. I hope so, too. Because I nor- normally I wouldn't mention pink with Xavier Rudd. You no, know what I mean? but there's something about just being transported and uh, that il- the illusion and the projection causing like this collective transformation, which brings me to another question with this image. 
you know, I know like probably a lot of active Mormons are balking against there, hoping it's not real or is it time? Is there some harm in the mirage shimmering or is it time for the mirage to shimmer? I mean, we talked, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, if to me, I think it it is like, let it shimmer. Yeah. Let people be like, Whoa, wait a minute. I thought I was, I thought I was following towards this oasis and that shimmer made me wonder if that's just a mirage, if that's just yeah. a, a, the, a, a, a byproduct of the heat and my brain and all that kind of stuff. I would love for that to start happening. I would love yeah. for this Joseph Smith picture to serve as just a slight little shimmer in the oasis of Zion, the oasis of the straight and narrow path. Because it's just a mirage. It's, just, it's a, just a mirage. And it's been used for purposes that aren't that are used for control. Yes. And not for expansion. Um, I, I think about this loft often because I, you know, I, and I, I know I've talked about this on the podcast before, but I've, I'm in touch with several families that I like that I baptized them on, on my mission. My last area, cause I was a righteous missionary. <laughs> <laughs> I had a lot of success in my last area and baptized several families. And I mean, that's what I pinned it on the time. Like, Oh, I was finally get my blessings. For yeah, like, you found your rhythm of, uh, yeah. of- Pure, a pure <laughs> unadulterated righteousness. And, but I'm still in touch with them. Um, they know through the magic of Facebook um, and they're still in it and they love it. And they, they always tag me in posts and every, every time it's my birthday, they thank me for introducing the gospel in their lives. They usually post a picture of missionaries and talk about the time when two angels came and saved them. And like their lives have been transformed. Now, I don't know. I, and so I struggle in the sense of like, is that good for them? Like, is it the mirage they've needed right now to lift them from the state they were in, Mm. but it's still a mirage. And so at one point, if they're getting like to continue individuation or for them really stepping into their power and who they could be as beings they need to let go of this thing eventually, even if it's helped them to this point, even if like just that mirage in the desert has listed them to or given them a community or some sort of support that's brought them from point A to B because they've been chasing this thing. It's still within this system of control. That's also used to oppress, you know, uh, oppress minorities, women, LGBT, uh, it causes some real harm and damage. And so, yeah, I, I guess I'm just like in this spot of like, no, I think it's time for the Mirage to. Well, I, here's, here's like what that's bringing up for me. Um, you've heard plenty of times since you've left the church or even maybe when you were in the church, you said this, I know I did. I said, mm-hmm. uh, well, when, fr- when confronted with, you know, things like this bishop abused me mm-hmm. or when confronted with this person, you know, didn't allow my kids to hang out with their kids and they bullied me. Just, just what, when we're talking about imperfect people in the church, we always say this thing like, well, the, the church is perfect. The, the gospel is perfect. The people are not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All the time. All the time. I said that. so many times on my mission. Man. <laughs> but it's. But I think we're accepting and understanding towards the concept of people being imperfect and we're not attacking the people. 
we're attacking the claims of perfection for the church. Mm-hmm. That yeah. so every you know the the John Delins of the world, the John Larsons, the the CES letter, like, like the Jeremy Reynolds, like the people who are speaking out against the church are not speaking out against the people. They're not saying you people need to be perfect, and if and if you're imperfect, that's a reflection of the the church being true or not true. No, we are speaking out against the claims of the church is perfect. We already know that yeah. people are imperfect and we love and accept them for that. And we know there's going to be some monsters in there. Mm-hmm. The, the, but those monsters are created by the church's method for handling those types of things. Yeah. They're, they're created by the church facilitating and putting people in power that should not be in power, putting people in a untenable situation, putting, you know, we always talk about the, the bishop who's a dentist or the bishop who's an accountant or the bishop who's a contractor. That person is not trained to deal with heavy life shit, be sitting across the the desk from someone who's talking about sexual sin or trauma or abuse or feelings of, uh, you know, sexuality and and feelings of how they feel between their spouse. That person is not equipped to talk about that kind of stuff. The structure of the church makes them feel obligated to speak like they are equipped to do that. So we are definitely not ever attacking the people in the church. Now, of course, there are monsters who abuse women and children, abuse men who were like, those people need to pay for their crimes. They they are imperfect people just like exist everywhere in the world that need to go to jail or, you know, whatever whatever happens. What we're attacking, though, is that claim that the church is perfect. We're not we are not attacking that people are imperfect. We already know that. Well, it's like. Glad you brought up that because there's the 80 percent, I don't know the percentage, but 80, 90 percent of Mormons who are just good people. I mean, we had the experience Great just people. like a few days ago meeting a mutual friend. Yes. Who is like the most genuine human I know. <laughs> I mean, honestly, the, the 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 kind, most kind-hearted, deep, authentic soul that I know that wouldn't happens to be Mormon. Yeah. Happens to be Mormon. And happens to be true believing Mormon. Yeah. And it's certain leadership positions yep. and would give you the, 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 I would say, I almost said the skin off his back because I think he would give off the skin. I off think his that back. he would Not too. Just his shirt. He would actually rip off his skin and give it to you. I think <laughs> that he would endure devastating skin peeling pain <laughs> just to give me his skin. I think so. He too. is that good yeah. of a person. I love him. I love him deeply. And he, he just is a good human and the church exploits those type of people. The church keeps him in a box where he's not allowed to lean in. He's not allowed oh. to let go. He has to be that amazing person that we just talked about within the boundaries of what he's allowed to be good at and not allowed to be good at. Yeah. And it's so sad. And we, he even talked about things that like, you know, we, we kind of talked about expansion we talked about like imp- like learning new skills in your mm-hmm. 40s we talked about learning new like he's a he's a great guy and he just feels like he can't do that and he's trying to learn how to be a better parent he's trying to learn how to be a better dad a better father a better i just said three ways to say parent another a better husband <laughs> but it's all within this box of are you allowed to do these things yeah is it even and so that? i hereby attack the claim that the church is perfect mm-hmm. I've never attacked the people, the, the, the claim that the people are imperfect. I hereby attack the claim that the church is perfect because no, it fucking ain't. 
No. And I remember even the moment for me when I was like, oh shit, I don't have to carry this burden anymore. There was like a burden we carried as members almost on behalf of the church. We are carrying the load for the church. We are. So like, because the church claims to be perfect, we're carrying that burden on their behalf and like shaming ourselves constantly. Augments our imperfection. Yeah. I know the church is perfect. What's wrong with me? I remember being like thinking I had to judge people because of the church or think of myself on a pedestal because of the church. Yes. And just being able to let that all go and just be like, Oh no, I don't, I can just be human and enjoy other humans and like be with them and like enjoy them for the humanity, you know, and be in their presence for that and not have to judge, not have to like carry this burden of perfection that then I feel less than, I mean, I've had these conversations a lot with some believing members, like in my family where, uh, I feel like they're really hard on themselves. Yes. That's the, th- and that's the, yes, exactly. Yeah. And that's the thing I, I feel like is the most detrimental to their salvation. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like literal salvation. Yeah. Like salvaging their ability to put together this beautiful, happy life, their salvation, their mental health, yes. their anxieties, their depressions, their self image. Yeah. Yeah. Everything. Uh, the salvation. I like that word for salvation, but. Yeah, salvation can mean more than just the plan of salvation. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's Mike, those things that those things that make us imperfect are kind of the most endearing things about each one of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we were talking we, this week, we've been talking about some of our imperfections uh, as our little group tries to navigate trying to do a family vacation, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this morning, you were cracking me up when you were you were talking about how like, I, I sometimes I just go to my own world and I'm not available for like logistics and figuring out the plan and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> We're like, talking about because I'm I'm have to write a couple of discussion posts today. That's right. I'm here on vacation, but for, because of school, I have to write a couple of posts. And I was talking to my mate, and she's like, "Do you need time for that?" I'm like, "No, I'm kind of been writing it as uh, in my head as I've been sitting here eating breakfast." She's like, "Well, how? How? Oh, you've been you've been here with us?" I'm like, "Well, not really." <laughs> <laughs> and that is that is adorable. <laughs> That those the imperfections make us beautiful. Like we, we, we as a group, in fact, everybody I know, including myself, teases me about my imperfections of, you know, I start hopping and hopping and like getting like, okay, we're going to solve this. We're going to get this figured out. We're going to plan. What's the legit, like all that kind of stuff. But that's a handy person to have when it's like, okay, we need to figure out what to do and when to do it. Like, oh, yeah. I'm handy. I'm handy to be around when I, when that comes up. The rest of the that. time, I use that a lot. The rest of the time, I'm insufferable because I'm always just like bebopping and scotting around, like wah, 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 we need to have it, and I don't have the plan. I don't know. Like I get it, but it makes me adorable. I'm so adorable, fucking cute, man. man. And but I get a little annoying because of my imperfections. But my imperfections are also the best thing about me. Well, and there's also your, uh, uh, I mean, to get like psychological here, it talks like uh, Freud was kind of quoted as saying your dreams are the royal road to the unconscious, right? Oh yeah. Jung actually said our complexes are the royal road to the unconscious. Okay. So interesting. Yeah. So like, and through our dreams, we, we manifest, we, we, we explore our, our, uh, our complex, our complex, yeah. but it's the complexes because they are parts of ourselves that usually are birthed through trauma yep. or some sort of thing. They remain in like almost an archetypal state 
And so it's through the complexes that we gain access to the archetypes or the numinous, the spiritual, the re- religious, the our, our self, our center of self, the, the us. We get access to us yes. in a way. Our, our deepest us. Yeah. Through our imperfections and our woundings and our hurts. And um, it doesn't mean that it's like when we heal from those, those will go away. No, we're just opening the access. It's just like th- those are our in, like the channels. In. Yes. Yes. And so instead of being in a spot where we're just ignoring those or brushing those aside, oh, those don't, don't exist or, or holding this burden of, of perfection to try to fit in. It's like, no. And that's what we always say when it's like, let's just be our weird ourselves. Like, exactly, dude. Yeah. I, I don't think that we can recreate it. Like, I think that the thing that we try to do when we're chatting on the podcast mm-hmm. and it's, it's, it's so interesting doing it face to face, isn't I know, it? I like it though. <laughs> like the, I, I, I don't think we can recreate it, but yesterday you and I were kind of mini tripping on the beach. Mm-hmm. We, we, we were just mini tripping enough that we could still be good dads, still good husbands, all that kind of stuff. But our spouses were cracking up at, because you and I just started going on this whole long thing yeah. about to clarify, just making shit up. <laughs> We were just making shit up yesterday, right? But we were talking about our personalities and our kind of our souls and like our soul's journey through Mm -hmm. multiple lifetimes and what we looked like and who we were. And we talked about how you have an older soul than me. And this is my first try as a human. And you've done this before and you've done some clever, cunning stuff. And it was all just nonsense. Well, how it came up. I, I saw that the woman on the beach next to us and yeah. she had all these dragon tattoos. That's right. That's, and I was like, that, yeah. Oh, I was looking at her and, you know, we're kind of tripping. And I was like, uh, man, do you think people who just really love dragons in this life think they were like a dragon in another realm? Yeah. And they miss it and they miss it. And then I got in the story about my son's school counselor. <laughs> so she came to greet us. She's walking his back to her desk and I'm looking at this woman, Michael. She just looks like the cuddliest little panda bear if I've ever saw one. You said that and I died laughing because I could picture this lady looking, she looked like a panda bear. Um, Yeah, just an older woman who you just cuddle with and just like this round, just like looked like a, if you took a panda bear, put it in a human, it's this woman. Well, she walks us back into her office and she's got panda bears and (laughs) her whole office is panda bears panda bear figurines yeah. panda bear stuffed animals panda bear paintings <laughs> like panda bears so she's trying to give my son like uh, his new schedule and everything and i'm just looking at all these panda bears so finally i have to comment and i'm like oh i'm loving all these panda bears oh my god and she's like yeah it's a thing with me i've loved them since i was a kid and every birthday every christmas my husband and my kids they give they give me panda bears and that's the thing and she's like she even counted them she has over x number she knows how many panda bears she owns. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a big, it's in the hundreds of, oh you know, God. maybe almost the thousands of panda bears. Yeah. And I just sat there thinking like, she probably was a panda bear. I think she's been a panda bear in most of her incarnations and decided to be human in one of them. And she just can't wait to go back to being a panda bear. <laughs> this is being a panda bear. Yeah. Like that's what it comes down to. Yeah. Dude. And when we went on a whole thing, <laughs> just, we're not going to rehash it. We went on a whole thing where I feel like Mike has purple panther slash tiger jaguar like but cartoon like like a we went through a whole thing where i think that you've lived a lot of lives where you've been cat-like and human and 
and a wizard and you've been all these things. Or even, you, even like in a cartoon like existence. Like <laughs> we also talk about literal cartoons that are in existence. Yeah. We started describing those, right? And then we kind of talk about how like I'm well, I saw you as a as like a bear, like a like country bear yeah. out there, like country bear. Like this is my first time actually being human. Like, yeah, like, yeah the country bears are a good example. You where, did a pretty good job for your, your first human experience. I'm, I'm doing my from, best from right? bear to human. I know you want to hibernate, but sometimes I'm just the grizzly bear is like, I'm going to sleep. I'll see you guys in four months. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's been like this trip. Like certain hour hits out, Doug's going, the bears right? going to bed. Yeah, it's happened this trip where it's like I'm, I'm my, fun to be around, and then I just turn to you guys and I'm like, I know it's. 10 30 or 11 good night I and you guys are like oh aren't we gonna keep partying on the beach and i'm like i'm going to sleep i got my honey i got my jar of whiskey <laughs> yeah I got, i'm fine i'm going to bed right yeah and then we realized it was we were talking about blue and bagheera i know dude and then the rest of the night you were singing uh, the bare necessities our yeah. kids are like what the fuck are our dads doing but it's like hey bare necessities are simple <laughs> how do we get from a joseph smith picture i don't know how we got here the point being, I, I think that the point is like, if you want to connect all these little dots together, yeah. like the Joseph Smith picture causes a lot of consternation for people because it doesn't fit into that very straight and narrow line of reasoning. It, it, it doesn't fit into that ability to let yourself lean in and let go. And when, when we're talking about leaning in, let go, it allows for us to go to higher planes without attaching uh, long-term meaning to it mm-hmm. or, or, or without attaching divinity to it or without attaching, like I need to worship and follow that. It also allows for us to expand a little bit and and play in the space and play with imagination and just make up nonsense bullshit that we were laughing about, that, but that has no basis in reality because we're not trying to make any claims about the reality of that. You see what I'm saying? So it's like, we're talking about the imperfect people in the church that we admit are imperfect, mm-hmm. but we love them for their imperfections versus the very narrow, straightly painted uh, painting or, or picture of what it requires to be a member of the church to fulfill the plan of salvation. It's like, no, man, it, it's vodka. And so it's vodka and fresco, man. Just do whatever you want. Take your fucking shortcuts, do whatever you want. Well, the vodka and fresco thing, I was like, because like one, I mean, that was yesterday. I was like, I didn't know fresco was still a thing. Can oh, yeah. You talk, asked are me. Are we okay if, to talk about fresco on this? Let's talk fresco. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know of course, if okay. of course <laughs> we can talk about fresco. Let's give people like some cheat codes. Like let people have the cheat codes. I say. Fresco's always existed. Oh, yeah. I mean, it existed. I mean, never went. I thought it went away. And it never it's went away. It's yeah. always been around. You told me fresco's always been around. It's always been there. Well, and here's what I get with the fresco. It's that ability to play in the duality yeah. of it, right? Yep. Where... Because we're talking about that ability to let go. Yep. And it goes both ways. It's one, being, being really willing to let go in that experience of like this godlike figure preaching to you or singing to you. Yep. I mean, like, hell yeah, I'm getting into this. I'm going to like embrace this, let go of myself, enjoy this concert, sing to the top of my lungs, be part of this collective drum circle and just like let go. And then also let go and being like, oh, oh yeah, that was an experience. Okay, that ended. That ended. Yeah. And I don't need to like deify this person anymore. I don't need to put them on a pedestal. They, if they're telling me to come, uh, they want to come marry my 14-year-old daughter. Like, fuck no, man. I'm, I'm, you gave a great sermon on Saturday and I leaned in and you were amazing. You took me there. Thank you. Yeah. And you transformed. I felt that I felt something and I've been transformed in a way, but no, you're not marrying my 14 year old daughter. Exactly. You have no, you have no hold over me. 
Yeah. So you're putting this, this realm of like, you're playing in both the dualities, but like, if you also, and I think there's a tendency for us ex-Mormons to do this is we were, we felt duped. And so we, we go back to this, like, no, only science and rational. And like, I'm just going to be in my area and, and not participate and not allow ourselves to be carried away and swept up in these nights of ecstasy and transformation and expansion because we're we want to now be bottled up and be protective it's another way of putting a wall up whereas there's a fluidity to being able to let go and lean into both yes exactly yeah and to the to the fresca people are probably sitting there going what the fuck are they talking about with fresca well i hope they know what fresca is well they know what fresca is well if if they're like if someone's listening and they're 25 year old 25 years old they know what fresca is okay all right so the point is, if you're if you're listening to this and God love you, if you're still listening, because I don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> but if you're listening to this. Put on a piece of paper, two dots that are about one inch apart, and then you want to connect those dots. But instead of drawing a straight line between the two dots, one inch, draw a completed circle where they connect at the very top of the circle. That's a lot of the ways that we use to try to connect with people. Mm-hmm. We go through all of those, like kind of going further and further apart and then coming closer and closer together until we actually overlap and connect and we complete that circle. But when in reality, if we want to just make that connection with people, it's that lean in and let go and just try the fucking straight line between the, the one inch between the two. You can still connect them by making a big circle. You yeah. can make a big figure eight. You can make an infinity sign. You can make anything and they could connect and overlap at some point. But the closest the, the the closest distance between two points is a straight line. Yeah. And that straight line only needs to be about an inch. And it's just like the idea of Fresca. Has it gone away? Is it still here? Is it making a comeback? No, man. The Fresca is a way to let people know, like, hey, we don't need to deal with all that bullshit. Let's just connect. Let's lean in and let go. And let's just like connect with this. And then. We don't have a full circle. We don't have anything tying us together. We don't have anything closing us off. We just made that one connection. We can do anything we want from there. You see what I'm saying? I I, I feel what you're saying, man. I you do? It. I feel it. Do you I, think people understand what I'm saying? Or they had to I, experience it maybe? I think they're, well, I think they're feeling it because I think everyone's been in those situations where it's like, you see those lines going up from yeah. those two points. Like, how do I connect them? How do we like, oh, do I even talk about this? Yes, you do. All right, I'm going to talk about this. I got a good text from... My brother, who I, I, yes. I fucking love. Yes, you got to talk about And it. my best friend in the world. And because of the church, it's been a, it had a bit of an estrangement. It's been know? a rocky road. And I got, you know, as we've been here, mm-hmm. he sent me a really beautiful text. That, oh, had, there was a family reunion that we weren't able to attend. And he's just like, look, we, your presence was missed. There's mm-hmm. feels like a hole when you're not there. Yeah, he sent that to you, which... Yeah. Which is huge for your relationship because I love this guy. The guy we're talking about, I absolutely love. Yeah. And it's been like hard to see like that disconnect. And for him to reach out and say you were missed was fucking radical. Yeah. And so I expressed it to him like, you know what? It means a lot to get to get this text. And we haven't talked a lot since he found out about the podcast. Yeah. And, and so it meant a lot to receive that text. And then he expressed another beautiful sentiment, which was like, I, I would love to patch this in some way. And then you had that thought, like, well, what if you just consider it patched yeah. instead of trying to like connect all instead these instead of doing here, all the things where we have to, we have to, we have to sort like, through past sort hurt through, and yeah. this, and you said this, but I said this and this, and it's like, 
what if we just consider a patch? Yeah. Let's just boom. skip all that shit and get back to how we used to connect. Yeah. Back to that straight line. Let's and what just, happened? And what happened? This he, is beautiful. Oh, he yeah. liked it. Yeah. He hit the like, you know, the like on text, like where you can thumbs up a thing, like. And then a few hours later, he switched it to a love. Meaning he's thought about it for a few <laughs> yeah. hours. Like, Meaning no, it was on his it. mind, which means he is, yeah. which means he is what we think he is, which is a beautiful person that we love. Well, he's always been a beautiful person. That's what him. I'm saying. Yeah. And that's what all the people, you know, even the, like, um, even with the church is sometimes a gap. It's like, no, sometimes we don't, we, we think in our relationships of that circle going up and being like, well, yeah, but they're Mormon and this, and how do I connect with them? And they believe this, or they support Trump and I'm Biden and this and like, but like straight line, Do what it. about you person to person? I have we a, enjoy a, a fresca. I have a story about that. Okay. I have a <laughs> you, dude, exactly yeah. that. So I was at a, uh, I was at a wedding a few days ago. Uh, started out in the morning cause it was a temple. It was a Mormon wedding. I wasn't allowed to go in the temple. So I just had to hang out. I was yeah. the guy that like hung out with cooler yeah. full of waters for everybody when they came out of the temple, like it was hot, you know, you get to play with the kids. And play, like, I'm the yeah. kid. I'm the kid. <laughs> wrangler, yeah. I'm, I'm happy to be that guy. <laughs> so I like I, hanging out with my nieces. I've experienced that twice. And yeah. I like it. Yeah. I really like being that guy. But then later on, they did like a full blown, uh, like, Ring ceremony, reception, dance party, cupcake, do the first dance, all that kind of stuff, you know? Well, in between, we went to a uh, Maverick. You know Maverick's my favorite. Maverick is my favorite grocery store and my favorite restaurant, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. A Maverick hot dog, I can crush any... It doesn't matter what day of the week it is or what time of the day I can crush a Maverick hot dog whenever you want me to. <laughs> to speak of yeah. my grizzly bear attributes, <laughs> I'll fucking swallow it whole. I don't give a shit. <laughs> so anyway, we went to Maverick. <laughs> just picturing you as a grizzly bear walking in, just like go <laughs> <laughs> hibernate for a while. Then I'm going to sleep. <laughs> so in the in the Maverick, there's a dude, rough rough looking dude, you know. You know, the guy who looks like he he's probably been in a gang and he's pretty hard nosed dude and he's been in some fist fights and he's like got all the he's got the broken nose and the real tan skin and the mm-hmm. kind of like he's that, that yeah. looking guy mm-hmm. kind of muscly. Yeah, seen a few years. And- he's seen some years. Yeah. Well, he's wearing a shirt uh, that on the back I'm standing in line behind him. And in line, he's wearing the shirt on his back. It says. I lube my AR-15 with liberal tears. That's what the back of his shirt says. I lube my assault rifle with liberal tears. Sounds like he could be my best friend already. I I consider myself a liberal, you know? (laughs) So to me, maybe that's... And and everyone knows I share a lot of tears. There's a lot of And you are, yeah, you could lube this guy's AR-15. I could could just ship it to him. His whole life. Right. Ship it (laughs) it in little vials. Liberal tears. Hey, bud, we got some new lube for you. But I'm sitting there looking at this shirt and I'm like, you know what? Me and this guy should not talk. But what if I just start talking to him? So I so too much to the chagrin of everybody I was with. I tapped him on the shoulder and he turned around. And I said, dude, you are in luck. I said, I'm about to go to a wedding. And most of us at this wedding are liberals. It's a wedding. So there's going to be a lot of people crying. <laughs> you should just come to this thing and you'll have lube for years. And this guy, at first, didn't know what to make of me. Yeah, you know what I mean. He's like making fun of me. Is he is he teasing me? Whatever. But when I was saying the thing about like, come to the wedding, you'll have lube for your AR-15 for infinity. 
dude, he starts laughing. And then he and I start chatting. We start like ho- hooping and hollering and stuff like that. And it's like that thing of like, instead of taking the long way to connect the dots, we just went, we just went one to one. And even though I'm a liberal who doesn't think he should own an assault rifle, I don't think there's any reason for anybody to have an assault rifle. And he thinks it's his basic right to own an assault rifle. And if you want to say anything about it, then boo-hoo, liberal tears, here's my lubrication for my assault rifle. All that was gone. And he and I are like goofing around and hollering at each other and, and having the time of our lives. And to me, it was like a lesson that I learned. I was like, oh, shit, who fucking cares? Who fucking cares about all the shit that divides us? Because there is so much that connects us that we that we forget about or that we want to like disregard or not pay attention to because we got to express our opinion. Mm-hmm. We got to express our opinion about, you know, women's rights and LGBTQ rights and uh, uh, gun ownership and freedom of speech. We got, we got to express our opinion about all this stuff. But when we get past all of the narrative of that stuff and all the like God awful stuff about the, like the abortion thing really bugs me right now. But yeah. as we get past all that and we just say one-on-one, like, Hey, can we shoot the shit and be funny and try to connect? It's hard to, it's, it's more rare to find someone who will not connect with you than to find someone who will connect with Mm -hmm. you. And that's just, that, that's just what we're trying to do with this podcast. That's what we're trying to do with our Mormon uh, loved ones. It's like, no, 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 no. This isn't a thing that you need to be mad or disappointed or sad or eternally, you know, plan of salvation uh, worried. What about the stuff that connects us? Mm -hmm. What about the stuff that like we see the Joseph Smith picture and we're all just like, ha ha, look at this. Who cares? He was he was the founder of the Mormon church. Let's move on. Instead, it becomes this whole thing of like we got to take sides. Yeah. And the sides that have been taken have been those of us who have left the church are like, I bet that's an authentic picture. And he looks like a douchebag. It looks like a lot. I imagine him now. <laughs> yeah. And the other side is like, I don't think that's an authentic picture. I think it's a fake. That's not what my Joseph Smith looks like. But after all that you and I have said, not my hour, Joseph, not <laughs> my Joseph, hashtag not my Joseph. Yeah. After all of that, who fucking cares? It's to the point of we are not perfect. We admit that no one, no one of us is perfect. And the only difference is that some of us are saying, the church also is not perfect. And we think that it needs to be known that the church is not perfect. And other people are saying, no, the church is perfect. It's the people that are imperfect. And it's like, who fucking cares? Let's all connect. Let's all lean in and let go and just connect on a human level. Lean in and let go, man. Right. I love that. And I love that. Um, Cause there's an element with the Fresca thing and making, oh, yeah. making that connection. Oh yeah. It requires a letting go. It, it does. Requ- you, you have to let go of your like spirals that are shooting out to like, so like that guy, you like, yeah, you have to let go of the fact that like, dude, that's an offensive shirt. <laughs> you know, I like, had to it, let go of that. Like, yeah. That's offensive. And you know, but then there's also an element of like, Oh yeah, I don't, I believe he shouldn't be owning a assault rifle either, but he's probably the guy who's probably, he's just going to go shoot in the woods. He's, Right. He's going to be, he's never going to, he's going to be safe, whatever, you know? Yeah. And so like, you're not fighting against him. Yeah. Right. And so there's an element of like, even with the abortion thing, I feel the same way of like, you can be, you can, you can be as passionate as you want to and need to be about that issue. It's not like you shouldn't be like, Oh, it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't definitely matter. Cause it, but yes. Yeah. It, but who are you attacking with or who are you? Right. It's not the people. It's not this. It's like, 
the institutions and the patriarchy, yes, channel all of the like attacks against that, play in this polarity of it. But like when it comes to human connection, and even if you have a family member who's like, I can't believe you're a baby killer or whatever, like I bet there's a there's that straight line to them that you can find. There's always the straight line because the straight line exists in a 360 degrees. Like that straight line can go any direction. And so for me, it's like, yes, women's rights are currently being taken away and we all need to stand up for that and fight it. Having said that, we don't need to fight each other. We need to rebel against the power structures that control us all. And that's what we're talking about with the church. And that's what we're talking about with the government. And that's what we're talking about with businesses. We're talking about like, listen, we all like regular everyday people who bump into each other on the street or like Mm -hmm. see each other at the grocery store. We can connect one-on-one instantly if we just find that path. The power structures that tell us to separate and fight and be different. Those are the imperfect problems because they claim perfection. The rest of us are not claiming perfection. The rest of us, all of us human people are claiming that, you know what? We're imperfect. Can we connect? The power structures are saying Uh, we're perfect. If you guys got a problem with it, you got to fight it out amongst each other. It's the thing that we were talking about at your house with the fucking water, your clean, your car. It's the exact same thing. They want us to, they want us to connect and try to figure out some sort of math that makes us connect. They want us like, and drawing endless spirals to try to connect to the top. And it's like, no, we're just going to connect at the bottom. Like what? Just like the point. You know what my father-in-law calls it? He calls it weapons of mass distraction. Ah, the the yeah. power structures. Oh, I like it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The power structures are creating weapons of mass distraction to make all of us fight. All of us say, go jazz. And the other half say, no, go Lakers. And it's like, who fucking cares? Mm. And I know that we're being, I, listen, we are not belittling actual pain and suffering that has been caused by these power structures because they fucking cause people absolute trauma. We're saying the people that are in that gooey center, the people that are like really, really in the middle, whether it be religion, capitalism, government, democracy, whatever it might be, all of the people that are in the middle, they are the ones that are not only being victimized by those power structures, but are also being weaponized by those power structures. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's like, no, let's lay down our guns literally and figuratively Mm -hmm. and just say, you know what? We are more powerful than the power structures that control us. That's all I'm trying to say by this whole thing. Fuck the people who are making literal change to take away women's rights, like literally fuck them. Mm -hmm. Fuck the people that are trying to cover up abuse in the church. Fuck the people who are trying to say it's because you're not praying hard enough and you're not worthy and you're not good enough and you haven't done enough that you've made these life choices and these life mistakes. And the the reason that life has given you those things, I'm saying fuck all those people, but I'm saying to the individual people who are just struggling and trying to like deal with their imperfections, can't we find a way to connect? Can't we Mm -hmm. find a way to connect and be like, Hey, what do you want to talk about? You want to talk fucking San Diego? You want to talk about 
the weather. Do you want to talk about? I'm going to gather my liberal tears. Yeah. Do you want to take my liberal tears? I got plenty. Give me a hot minute. I bet, you know, I'll think about the childhood trauma of this. And yeah, sure. I don't want you to, (laughs) I don't want you to have that AR-15, but if you're going to have it, let me get you some liberal tears so that at least shoot straight. (laughs) See me hit your target. Yeah. Well, you hope it's just like a, a beer can or whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hopefully it's just, yeah, hopefully you're just shooting beer cans <laughs> off the fucking fence <laughs> with a solid background so that you're not endangering anybody. I, I just love where we went. Here. I love this. <laughs> I didn't know where we were going to go today because we're kind of like on vacation mode right now. So this isn't we like are. a real episode. We got to go back and like bring the cooler out to our... Yeah, now we got to go take the cooler to the beach. Like that's what we're doing next. Problems we have we have big problems today. Oh man! How we yeah. get, I mean, you talk about that cooler walking out there with the burning sand. That is like, no joke, man. Yeah, we're gonna say fuck you right now, and they can say it because that's fine. Hey, that's our real problem today. <laughs> Trying to get the cooler to the beach. But I just love this. Um, I don't know. There's like a kind of an anti-Nephi Lehigh moment. It like is. Bearing, it really you know, is. Bearing your weapons, like let's just connect. And there's an energetic thing, and I was even playing with it yesterday when you were teaching me this. You were initiating me into the fresca the fresca <laughs> initiation you. yeah forever at your doubt for that but like playing with this like energy of like oh no we're good they're just like well then you saw then you saw in action as we went to restaurants and yeah. vendors and places you you can see it in action of like let's drop the whole thing let me order a fresca let me let's be cool and every, like most people that you come into contact with are like Oh shit. Hell yeah. Thank you. Let's just be cool. Yeah. Right. Most people are that way. They want to, I mean, you, the waiter, yeah. Waiters at your table, they just want to be cool. They want everyone to be cool. They you know? want to be cool. But they come, they're a little scared because like, Hey, are these guys are going to give a good tip. Are they going to be okay with my service? This like, no, it's like, Oh man, we're, 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 we're busy. Fresca. It's going to be a 45 yeah. minute wait. And it's like, dude, Fresca. And they're like, Oh yeah. Oh, okay. We're cool. Like, <laughs> let me actually give you free shit. Yeah. It's, it's the way the world works, man. Lean in and let go. I mean, the uh, the title of this episode is going to be Lean In and Let Go. Yeah, right? Right. Yeah. Sponsored by Fresca. Sponsored by Fresca. <laughs> yeah, Fresca. You disappeared for a while, but now you're back, baby. <laughs> if you want people to know you're back, it's uh, Venmo at much, at much more. You can Venmo us, Fresca, because we'll tell everyone that you've never went anywhere. Or you can call us at... No, no, just kidding. I'm not giving our... <laughs> but a good plug that like... Uh, do we just plug a couple shit stuff now? Or like, yeah, I mean, I, we'll probably... I think we, I think the thing we want to plug most is the Momo Palooza. Yeah. Uh, send out. us, send us a kombucha budget for, uh, at the, at the app Mushmore. But yeah, I'll just say a, a fresca budget right now. Yeah. Let's I'll, get a fresca budget. I would love a fresca. Send it to, yeah, Venmo at Mushmore. But then the Mormon Palooza thing, go to mormonpalooza.com. Um, we're in cahoots with Steve and, uh, Urquhart and Sarah. Um, we say we're in cahoots with them. They're just like, they're doing it all. <laughs> yeah. And we're, we're loving being with them. <laughs> yeah, we we love riding their coattails. I mean, Sarah, she's, she's the best. She's the best. And she, we're going to have her on a future episode here. Um, and maybe the next episode. Actually, maybe the next one. Or maybe it might even air before this one. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, who knows where this one's going to go? Yeah. But yeah, hear a little bit of her story and then also like uh, share a little Mormon Palooza. Yeah. Magic. Mormon Palooza is going to be TED Talks, a concert, and then a dance. Don't you don't need to worry about what they're called. They're called triggering things or healing things or reclaiming things, you know, as far as like fireside roadshow steak dance. But really what we're doing is we're doing, we're doing informative Ted talks about things like consent, about things like safety in the space, about the real cool shit. That's what, that's what the kind of speakers are going to be reclaiming Mormonism. reclaiming Mormonism. 
And then we're going to do a concert with uh, our favorite bands, our favorite artists, people who have written music that we connect with. And then it's going to be a dueling DJ uh, dance party. And it's going to be the time of our life. So be there or be square. I mean, that only fits 400 people. I don't know. I, I just, I feel bad. We're going to be turning away people at the door. So get your no, tickets now. Get your tickets now. And this is good. I'm just, I'm just thinking back to this picture of Joseph Smith, man. And <laughs> I think it's a way we can all connect. Maybe it becomes the, the image, you know, you, you think of, so to get one more thing, psychological before we sign off here, you know, Jung talked about the tension of the opposites yep. and a symbol, which can hold that tension of the opposites through that symbol, a third way emerges. That's right. right. Yeah. So I'm wondering if part of this Joseph Smith image is this tension of the opposites between like the believers and the non-believers. And now we've been gifted this image. <laughs> yeah. The image can counterbalance yeah. the two things and, and like, hold them together. Maybe connect like, them. Connect them. Connect them. And maybe we find a third way of like, you guys, fuck the institution that's keeping us all. But like, we're all Mormon people. Like, can we just get back to like some, let's order a fresca together. And let's, let's just, just grab a fresca and see what happens. Like lean in. Let go. And whatever things we feel like we need to patch and hurt and trauma, you know, let's just consider it patched. Let's consider it all patched. It's all good. Let's do this. It's on us. It's on us to do our part. And it's on everybody else to decide how they interpret that part. But we got to do our part. Yeah. Right. Right, man. I just, yeah. So thank you. Real, real, maybe real Joseph Smith. (laughs) (laughs) Greetings from sunny San Diego. We love you all. And just have the time of your life. You just gave me a triple patriarchal grip. I did just give Mike a triple patriarchal grip because we're here live in the studio and we wanted to like really seal the deal. And if anyone wants to know what a triple patriarchal grip is. Show up at Mormon Palooza and I'll give them to you. (laughs) Yeah. Much love. Cut. (laughs) 